Welcome to the Ashtanga Dispatch Podcast. I'm your host, Peg Mulqueen. A few weeks ago, just before Hurricane Irma was about to hit Miami, I caught up with Kino McGregor. We scheduled this time months ago for both this podcast and a surprise project that I'm working on, which I'll share more with you about later. Anyway, Kino is in Croatia, but of course her home and her studio is in Miami. So you'd think it would be hard for Kino to focus on our interview and that maybe she'd want to reschedule. In fact, I offered. But then again, this is Kino McGregor we're talking about. And boy, is she a force of nature herself. Yeah, sure, it's easy to look at Kino and chalk up her success to a combination of physical ability, good looks, she's charming. But then you'd be missing the real reason she is where she is. Kino is smart, she's driven, and she's incredibly stubborn. Like, when she has an idea she believes in, no one and nothing stops her. Not even a hurricane. I mean, I called it stubborn, but really, I think she'll call it discipline. Anyway, I'll never forget driving in a car with her one afternoon in D.C. We were on our way downtown to shoot the cover of the second issue of the Ashtanga Dispatch magazine, and I asked her a serious question. It was during a time when there were some online teachers who were questioning my ability to be, you know, the voice in the Ashtanga community. I mean, they had a point. I'm not authorized. Anyway, here I am getting ready to publish a second magazine. And all the while, I'm just like being tormented with doubt. Knowing Kino has her own share of critics, I asked her how she deals with it. She looked me square in the eye, and I will never forget what she said. She told me, I stay disciplined, and I don't pay attention to what will distract me from doing what I need to do. Period. Since that day, Kino, to her word, has since launched her own internet yoga channel called Omstars, and published what I believe is her fourth book, The Yogi Assignment. We talk about both in this next episode of the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast, but what's more is I think this may be one of the most candid glimpses into who Kino is as a real person. She's bubbly, she's talkative, but she gets serious and blunt. She begins excitedly telling me all the things that are coming up on Homestars and with her book, but we managed also to delve into some more serious questions like how she responds to the critics who say yoga, specifically Ashtanga yoga, shouldn't be learned through videos. We also talked about her relationship with her husband, Tim, who is notoriously camera shy, and how their differences impact their marriage. Anyway, go sit down, grab a cup of tea, and join me for an intimate chat with Kino McGregor. almost a loaded question but okay what have you been up to <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> what haven't I been up to you know <laughs> well you know I have this book the yogi assignment that's coming out I'm definitely you know I'm, I'm involved in that a lot I just saw the copies of it they just arrived to Denmark and I did a big or did a bigger reveal on a live broadcast which was really cool so I just saw them for the first time like last Wait week you working on what? Well, the Yogi Assignment, the book. Oh, the Yogi Assignment. I thought it was another book. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> if you have well, another, you probably do have another book in the works, but yes. Yeah. So the Yogi Assignment yeah. just came out. 
Yeah, so I've been doing, what's been fun about that is I've been doing weekly giveaways, um, and I really like to give back to the community, so every week I'm doing a giveaway, and we're giving away six-month subscription to my online channel, OMSARS, which also just launched this year, which I'm really excited about, <laughs> and then they get a copy of the Yogi Assignment Book, and then I've been partnering with some brands to do, like, you know, gift, like gift card to a really cool, you know, yoga clothing brand that I really like, or to get a new mat, and so this is really fun, um, and I'm, you know, I've been really enjoying, I really love, it's fun to give stuff away, so it's really really awesome and I've been getting so many messages from people that are buying the book or reading the book and it's just so overwhelming so awesome so I try to answer all of those personally because um, I feel like this book is just so meaningful so when someone sends me like people a screenshot that they bought the books I, I try to reply and sometimes I'll share the screenshot because I just I'm super excited about it so there's that um, and then like we have new content launching all the time on OMSTARS so, like, we just released um, a handstand course with Yuval Avalon, who's a, who's an amazing hand, handstand trainer, and it's his first online video course ever, and he's really, really amazing. And Carrie and I are the students in the course, which is really, really oh, cool. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so it's just awesome. But we've got, you know, we've so much content launching on OMSARS. We've filmed so many people, and now we're in this process of kind of editing and streamlining the business and it's been really amazing to kind of launch and just kind of go full on and now we're starting to with the online channel settle into like a sustainable pace we have you know a core group of subscribers and we have our you know our staff and I've gone through a really big kind of learning and development process about that which is both streamlined the vision as well as streamline our work process and has just helped me get really clear on how how I want to lay the found work for that to really reach the next level. I'm so excited about the online channel. It's been a dream of mine forever to do something, you know, online, yoga, TV, this kind of thing. And I don't know if you know, but with the dream for OMSARS, I had pitched this idea to yeah. TV networks and other online channels, and everybody turned me down. Everybody said, no, we don't believe in it. Um, we don't want to do it. Um, and then there, there, I, I kid you not, there are even online channels that bought my content from someone else that I approached that said no to me and they are, you know, and so they're out there and they have a, they have like some content of mine that I filmed for someone else. They bought it from that other place and they turned me down and, you know, so it's really a dream of mine that's like, Hey, this is really real because we have our classes and um, I think I think it's next week we're launching our first um, licensed movie screening on OMSARS because we really want to be Netflix for yogis. So there's this movie called The Yoga Sutra, and it's a you know it's a full length feature film that's about and it's not a documentary. It's really it's a scripted full length feature film, and so we're having a limited release on OMSARS. So we're licensing it kind of like how Netflix does releases. No and was, way! Yeah, it's really exciting. That's super cool. Yeah. So we've got a lot of like fun things and we're really going to be able to, um, you know, develop our culture segment more. Um, so in the channel, we have, we've got, we have a lot of Ashtanga on the channel because I am, this is like my discipline and where I come from to the extent that people are like, so this is an Ashtanga channel. And I'm like, no, this is a channel um, for everyone. We happen to have a lot of Ashtanga on it right now. These are sort of my friends and I reached out to first, but the idea with the yoga is that we want yoga with lineage. We want yoga with tradition, and we want really good teachers. And I don't care if that teacher has zero following on social media or if they have, you know, two million followers on social media. I want people that embody the tradition, like real teachers um, who can really kind of carry the torch of uh, the torch of, of the knowledge of yoga into the online world in a really deep, um, in a really deep way. You were filming something yesterday, weren't you? 
Yeah, was yesterday. yesterday. So, so I've got this series on Omstar. Um, it's called The Global Yogi. And so this is sort of um, like a travel yoga series. And I like to think of it as you get to see the world through the eyes of yoga, which is how I see the world. And so we're really kind of expanding The Global Yogi, which is really cool. Um, and so we filmed the Copenhagen episode, and we filmed it over um, three days. And it was really, it was epic. It's really going to be an epic um, an epic episode, primarily because Copenhagen is also home to me because my husband is Danish. Yeah. So we filmed the day of the workshop. And have you been to Copenhagen? No. No, it's a beautiful city. I highly recommend going for everyone. I think after you watch this episode, you're going to want to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's it's quite nice. And and so so you know we do this. So what we do in every city is we film we film one day of the workshops. We get the experience of me coming because the reason why I'm there is really to teach and share yoga. And then I go around the city and I you know go to kind of um, the historic spots in the city, like the you know the city center. And if there's if there's uh, like in Denmark there's a parliamentary monarchy, so I go to the Queen's Castle and and um, you know do some yoga there. And then I, I I try to talk a little bit about the history of the city and the country and this sort of thing. So it begins to be a little bit more of a reflection on the city and the place that I am rather than, you know, here I am doing a random handstand to kind of understand the context. And then the last thing we do in the Global Yogi is I try to find a vegan version of whatever the local food is. Um, and so this is really fun. Um, you know, whether we succeeded in Denmark or not, I'm not exactly sure, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, in Amsterdam, they, we were filmed in Amsterdam and they have this. They have something called a bitter ballin, which is like a fried fish ball, essentially, or fried meatball. I'm not sure what it is. So we went to a vegan place, and they have a vegan version of the bitter ballin. So we have to try it. So it's stuff like that. Because we find, like, the typical food of the city, and then we try to find a vegan version. Sometimes we succeed, and sometimes we don't. I think you need to film one in Montana. I think you need to come here. <laughs> You know what? People have been saying that we want to, we, we should do something in the United States and we definitely want to do the U.S. And we wanted to do Miami, but maybe Miami needs a reconstruction after the storm. We'll see. You need to come, you need to come to Bozeman. You need to come to, you guys need to come to my, uh, to Montana. That would be hilarious. Oh my gosh. What's it called? Big Sky Country up there? Big Sky Country. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You and Carrie started the Omstars channel, right? Yeah, together. we started that together. So the way that this kind of happened was I had the idea sitting in Copenhagen. I seem to get good ideas sitting in Copenhagen, actually. But I was sitting in Copenhagen, and I read, um, I was reading an article about Fiji TV. So the, so the country of Fiji, they have an online subscription TV channel, and all it is is a webcam. And you can subscribe to Fiji webcam. And then it can just be playing on your computer all day long. So you just go to, like, Fiji.com, and it just plays there. And they have, like, you know, thousands of people that just, like, pay $10 a month so that they can just, like, tune into Fiji.com and just watch the beach in Fiji. And I'm like, oh my God, we should have a yoga channel. And so I started off with one partner and it totally didn't work out with one partner. And then I talked to Carrie and I said, Carrie, do you want to do this with me? And then she said, yes. Um, and then we, we approached all these different, you know, before I actually partnered with Carrie, I approached some different online channels and they said no to my idea of having, having the lifestyle incorporated in it. And then, you know, Carrie said she would start with me. And then we had two deals that just, just, just didn't work out you know, like really badly, like there were contracts on the table and we were going to partner with a large production company to do it. And then they canceled the deal. And then, um, there was another company that came on and that deal also kind of fell through. So then we started to do the Kickstarter and now after the channel launched, um, we're still going through some more reshuffling and some more changes. So, um, you may like Carrie is now, uh, focusing on the, the yoga pro wheel and I'm actually running Omsar solo, which is kind of crazy. 
How did you and Carrie meet? I love your friendship. I love watching yeah. the two of you. You guys are Aww. such good friends. And you're so different in some ways. But, yeah. you know, yeah. you have so yeah. much fun together. It's just... Yeah, we really do. <laughs> How did yeah. you guys meet? The first time I met Carrie, her husband, Nick, booked a private with me because she wanted to learn how to do handstands and classics <laughs> to the Ashtangi. When she came in, she was like, I want to do a handstand. And I was like, can you jump through? And, <laughs> and she was like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, you got to jump through and jump back. Like, if you can't jump through and you can't jump back, you have no business doing handstands. And so I made her jump through and jump back for like There's an hour. that bluntness I know you for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you gave so. her a private. Yeah, she, both she and Nick were there, and so she she came to me and was like, "I want to do handstands." I made her basically do like half primary series with like a lot of jump backs, jump throughs. And you became friends after that. No, actually, after that, I think Carrie thought I was crazy and intense, yes. um, and basically didn't like reach out to me. But then I was, I think I was sick in my store, and I was scrolling on Instagram, and I thought Instagram was kind of just like a place to connect with your family, and I didn't realize there was like a flourishing yoga community on Instagram. And I saw Carrie's photos, and I was like, "Hey, girl, your photos are beautiful." And she's like, "I did a private with you," and then we just started texting and chatting from there, which was really awesome. That is really neat. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Because it is a serious question. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, I guess I don't need to tell you this and I can be as blunt as you usually are. There are people that will say videos in yoga, they have no place. Like you're supposed to find a teacher. What about Parampara? And, um, that it's not that, you know, they'll, they'll pretty much diss online videos, period, mm -hmm. period. I mean, I got, I'm just going to tell you, I got some flack over teaching for Wanderlust, you know, that, yeah. that going there, that that's not the way it's supposed to be taught. And, you know, a lot of those people were first introduced. So clearly I have a bias because yeah. there's so many people, so many students I got to meet that didn't either know what Ashtanga was or had, or was scared to practice like scared or just didn't have anybody around. Like they started researching maybe after, and mm -hmm. you know, because I forward you some of those emails that come to me that are like, Oh, I, you know, I first started practicing, um, with videos, with Kino's videos. Yeah. And, and it is, it's your, you're the one who's always, it's like, you know, I watch Kino's videos or, you know, maybe I got her primary series book and I started going that, you know, found out about your book through, through your Instagram or whatever. But there is a hardline criticism against yeah. it. Well, the only thing I can say is if, you know, if, um, if, if someone feels that way, then they shouldn't make videos. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Super good point. If they don't like them, then they shouldn't watch them. Right? That's not... I love how you yeah. don't... I go into this launch, into this big, long, you know, explanation, convincing, and you're like, boom, just don't watch them, don't make them. Yeah, I feel, like it, I feel a little bit like it's, it's like the buffet course of life, you know? So here we are, and say you're at an ice cream buffet. I've never really been at an ice cream buffet, but imagine if you were, right? I can and then imagine. You, could, <laughs> you can imagine, right? And so then there's every flavor possibly imaginable. And, you know, let's say there's a lot of people that they love vanilla, and for whatever reason you just hate vanilla, and you think vanilla should have never been existed, and you think vanilla destroys your taste buds because it, like, you know, it's way too sweet, and then... And, and then it destroys your ability to appreciate real, real pure dark chocolate because the 
vanilla is just too light and too fluffy and this kind of thing. And so then you walk by and then everybody that's like taking the vanilla, you're like, don't take that. That's awful. And some people, hey, you know, maybe they would love vanilla, but they don't take it because you told them that that was awful and they shouldn't be eating that and this sort of thing. And then some other people are like, hey, move out the way. I like vanilla. I tried this. It's fine. You like it. Don't eat it. And so I kind of feel like this is, you know, the buffet course of life is like that. I understand if you feel that something is genuinely harmful. So then, okay, like let's say you're again, on, and this is where I think the gray, the gray zone comes, you know, comes is that, you know, someone, someone may think, Hey, that vanilla ice cream, that is laced with arsenic. That's going to kill you. If you do that, that's going to destroy this entire ice cream parlor. So it's going to contaminate all the other ice cream. So no one can eat that with closing the shop. Okay. That's an extreme example, but I think our, our judgments, you know, just like you would in science. So let's say you, someone thinks the vanilla ice cream is contaminated. What are you going to do? You're going to take a sample and bring it to a scientist. They're going to test it and see, you know, or, and the other thing is you're going to judge it by the results. Okay. So a hundred people ate the vanilla ice cream and they're all fine. So probably the vanilla ice cream is fine. You know, we can test it. In other words, judge it by its fruits. So what's happening, you know, and, and, and again, and if we, again, take that example, so 100 people eat the vanilla ice cream and 100 people are there happy, they come back for more, they're not dying of arsenic poisoning, they're happy, they bring their kids, everybody's eating vanilla ice cream, probably vanilla ice cream's fine, but if it's producing negative results, so if people are, you know, dying and getting harmed, if they're, you know, keeling over in stomach pain and these sorts of things, and that's evidence that it is uh, harmful. So I kind of believe, you know, if you want to be objective and, and sort of evaluate in that perspective, be scientific and judge the fruit, or judge the tree by its fruits. You know, what is it? No good tree produces bad fruits, but a good tree produces good fruits. Well, that's interesting because I only get emails from people that say, oh, and usually Ashtanga Dispatch is, you know, we're an online community. And so, you know, yeah. same, same. So I'll get those emails that say, hey, I, you know, I learned about Ashtanga through Kino's videos i nobody ever writes yeah. me and says man you know youtube messed up Root. my life <laughs> youtube that ruined is. my life <laughs> i hate yoga yeah. because of no actually it's it, it only i i never hear i never hear yeah no on, yeah i mean the, the thing uh, the unfortunate thing is the, mo most people watching a video at home are going to err on the side of caution and basically never injure themselves like the worst thing's going to happen from an online video is you're not going to finish it like, that's probably, like, the yeah. worst thing that'll happen. You know, you'll be like, you'll do five minutes, and you're like, oh, I go like this, I make a stretch, I suck my belly in, I'm bored. And then you'll turn it off. Like, that's, like, the worst thing. It's not, it's not completing the video. I will say that OMSTARS has a very high finish rate on our videos, just so people actually do finish them. Yay. Which is really nice. We measure finishes, which is really cool. Um, so we have over a 50% finish rate, which is really exciting. Because, like, YouTube is, like, people watch, like, two minutes of a YouTube video, and they're like, next. Nah. Yeah. But... In class, when you're actually with the teacher, this is the place where, hey, like, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get injured in a class or something like that, I'm not saying people shouldn't go to class, but it's like, I, I you know, I practice when I practice with my teacher, I'm like extra cautious with my own body because, hey, you're there and you want to please your teacher so badly, yeah. and you may not even realize that you want to because you think I'm not trying to please my teacher, I'm just trying to do the best I possibly can which is, you know, you're putting, there's essentially this pressure on yourself. So I feel like, you know, and then there are these, these, um, you know, these unspoken etiquette rules of like, I meet students that, that, that don't want to tell their teacher that they're hurting or that they don't want to tell their teacher that they're injured. They're embarrassed that they're injured or that they potentially got injured with the teacher. And so they either stop going to class or they don't tell the teacher or worse, they push through and make the injury worse. So I feel like, 
you know, there's um in in the culture of traditional yoga, I I I, I encourage dialogue and discussion um, between the teacher and the student. And I I you know I tell my teacher Sharat, and I told Guruji whenever anything was wrong, to the extent that like I mean, one time I was in Mysore and I had diarrhea all night, and I walked in and I told Guruji that I had diarrhea all night, so maybe too much information. I don't know. If, I don't know if he wanted to hear that. But I walked in and I was like, hi, Guruji, I just want to let you know I had diarrhea all night. He was like, oh, you have diarrhea? And I was like, yes, Guruji, I had diarrhea all night. So I don't know, practice, little, not so good today. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, diarrhea, good. You know? <laughs> and then, so I, I believe in, you know, telling your teacher, talking to your teacher, you know? And I, I think there the, and if you do that, I feel that that opens up intimacy and vulnerability and trust. And that's the magic of the parampara when you have that intimacy, that vulnerability. Um, but I don't really think that comes from like keeping your distance and kind of just waiting for, you know, like knowledge to be like dropped on you as the teacher walks by you. Like it's, a, it's the student's responsibility to kind of show up and say like, hey, I'm here and this is kind of what's going on for me. And I would love to be your student. And I'm just checking in with you. And so today I feel really crappy and I'd really love your help with this post and you know today I'm feeling like really kind of vulnerable and is it okay if we don't do that assist today like those 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 I, I say these things to Sharat you know so I think this is a really important part of the parampara every time I've asked him for help or shared something that's when real teaching really opens up you know I've taken I've taken more than one of your workshops and yeah yeah, yeah. I mean Always an honor to have you in class. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're such a good teacher. You're Thanks. such a good teacher. Like, I mean, you don't just give the material, but you're actually a good teacher. Do you know what I mean? Like the way you set it up and give information and have people practice them. I've never been so sore as when I've left, and especially, especially abs. Didn't I? Like, I texted you one yeah. of the um, something when we even did your online one when Megan and I did, yeah. it, and Megan was like, "I hate Kino." <laughs> <laughs> she goes, my abs hate keto right now. But uh, I figure you learned that somewhere. Like, you had to have, I think, and I think I know this a little bit about you, that this all didn't come that natural. Like, you might have had the flexibility, but the strength is something you've really worked at, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even the flexibility, it's not like I could do everything in Try to work at that too, but it definitely came faster. I mean, I remember, like, I mean, I remember the first time I tried to stand up from back bend, like, I smashed my head onto the ground. It was not fun. And I remember I almost cried out of self pity. And I was like, okay, here are the options either get back up and try again, or you're going to feel sorry and be scared of this for the rest of your life. And so I tried again and again and again, and, you know, eventually it happened. And it happened much quicker than, say, headstand. You know, headstand took me a year. And so I went up and I toppled over. So just say that again. For a year. Headstand took you a year. A like, year, yeah. That's, I mean, just putting that out there. Yeah, absolutely. And it was not fun, you know. Um, and so uh, eventually, you know, it happened. And I remember when I first started practicing, everybody kind of had in the Ashtanga world kind of this, you know, mystique of every pose has its lesson and you just do your practice and it will come. And I was like, okay, uh, uh, when exactly, <laughs> you know, I was like, is there like a timeline, you know? And I was kind of an impatient person, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, cause a year for headstand was a long time, you know? Um, and then after my first trip to Mysore, I came back from India and I was like, I started to teach a lot. People were asking me to teach a lot. 
And at some moment I was like, okay, I'm going to move back to Miami. I'm going to live with my parents. And I'm just going to say yes to every place that wants me to teach. And then I'll just save all the money that I get from teaching. And I'll just spend that to go back to India for six months. Like that was my goal. But then what started to happen is I got so many, and this happens to every new yoga teacher. You say yes to everything. And it happened to me in Miami. I was running around, like not running, but like in the car, driving around Miami. Miami's a very big city in terms of driving. So I would like drive for 45 minutes and I would teach a class and then I would practice. And then I would drive for 20 minutes and I would teach another class and I would drive for an hour and then I would have you know two hours off randomly in the middle of the day and then I would teach a class uh, like on Miami Beach and then I would teach another class over at Coconut Grove and then I would go back over here and I was just like and at some moment I was teaching like over I think I think like 25 classes a week and so this is like sometimes two three classes a day and I didn't have a day off and then there were privates and then my own practice some moment I woke up and I was like I don't practice anymore I just felt like I can't even, I was, I just was tired, I was exhausted, I couldn't practice, but I remember Gruji saying, you know, just do, like, what constitutes a complete practice, sun citations, standing poses, and so I did that for, uh, I don't know, at least a month, I just did sun citations, standing poses, closing poses, and then, um, you know, I remember staying with my parents, and my dad in the afternoon would often want to go do something, and so I would say, like, dad, do you want to go for a walk, and they had just gotten a new dog, and so we would take the dog for a walk, and then, uh, we would get to this point, and I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can do a push-up. And I'd never, I like had, I'd never done a push-up. And I, and I, up until then, I'd only done chaturangas, which are like push down. You don't go up, you only go down. Right? It's like push down. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it's a big push-up. And so I went down, and I like could barely get back up. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do ten of these. So I like forced myself to try to like do ten miserable-looking push-ups. My dad saying like, sweetheart, that looks really intense. I don't think you should do that. Shouldn't I help you? And I'm like, dad, I'll be fine. I just want to do ten of these. You just watch the dog. And then you know we walk back. And then I did that for about a month, and or maybe like a couple weeks or a month, not more than a month. And then when I came back to my practice, I remember thinking like. Ooh, it's going to be really bad. I don't know. Like, what's going to happen? Um, and then my, I was stronger. And I was like, why am I stronger? This is really weird. And I was like, those push-ups. I was like, there's something to push-ups. So, like, the whole idea of, like, a light bulb went off in my head about the physicality that I was potentially missing for some of the poses. So I think that started to, pers- that started to change my perspective of, like, how to approach some of the poses to break them down into their physical components. And this is when I started to do, like, what I call now yoga drills. Where I'm like, oh, I look at someone in Vakasana and I can see that they have strong shoulders and firm abs. When I do Vakasana, my shoulders are limp and my abs are hanging out. Great. How can I work on that? Okay. Let me see if I can make the shape of Vakasana and work on the abs. Okay. Let me see if I can do that 10 times. All right. What can I do for the shoulders? How do they do their shoulders? Okay. Their shoulders are like this. Let me go to a physical therapist and try to figure out what's happening with the shoulder. Why don't my shoulders fire? Is it because they don't do like what's the name of the movement? And so then it's really experiential, both anatomy and training over many years um, applied to the practice. That really, I really picked that up when I'm with you. Yeah. And I always know that. And, and I kind of approach the practice that way too. I mean, it, you almost have to like switch your mind about it. it. Instead of becoming defeated, look at it like, ooh, yeah. like it's almost curiosity. It's yeah, it's like a yeah. puzzle. Like, oh, I want to figure this out. And, um, mm-hmm. and good teaching comes out of it because when you have to learn it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're doing the research on you. Absolutely. Yeah, it totally comes through. And that's why, well, I mean, I've definitely turned to you and your videos when mm-hmm. I have struggled with some things. I'm like, I know that you've been there. I know you've, you've you know, had to figure those things out. Absolutely. You know, I think challenges, I mean, you talk a lot about that, the struggles and, and, and that there's, there's value in mm-hmm. all of this. Not that you wish things on 
any, you know, not that, not that suffering is yeah. like something you want for anybody, but yeah. you know, there's stuff that comes, there's stuff that comes out of it. That's super valuable things that you learn. Yeah. If you're a yoga teacher and you've never um, had an injury or worked through an injury yeah. back into your practice, I kind of feel like then you haven't really been tested yet. Um, and this is a little bit like, you know, it's unfortunate, but I kind of noticed that most of like almost what happens is almost every new teacher of yoga, they get a little bit of, you know, they get a little injury and it's a test. Like, are you going to stay with the practice and are you going to learn to use the practice as a healing modality or are you going to let this be an obstacle where you get frustrated and quit? And so this, I think is a really important test to new teachers is to go through an injury and learn to use the practice uh, as a healing platform. Yeah, I watched Megan. She um, last year, her back, her low back started hurting. It was right around wow. the Pata, and she was. And yeah. I remember, she looked at me. She goes, "Mom, is this what people feel when they hurt oh. their back?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she goes, "This is horrible." And mm -hmm. I was like, "Yeah, I know it. It does. It hurts." But she, through that process, learned how to not, you know, have it not hurt. For a long enough yeah. time. And then I remember one day she looked at me and she was scared to do dropbacks, you know, for a little while after that. Yeah. For a long while. Well, especially while it was hurting. But then it stopped hurting. And she said, I feel like I need to start dipping my toe in the water. I'm afraid that I'll get too afraid if I let too much time go by. But she had this whole process that she went through that, mm -hmm. you know, first it was not having pain. And then mm -hmm. it was facing the fear of having pain again. And it was... Yeah. A really valuable process for her to go through mm -hmm. you know absolutely yeah it's really interesting and it's good now yeah oh yeah oh yeah that was like yeah no she's yeah. she's good but she but actually and also compassion like just just mm -hmm. even like yeah. understanding how other I mean, you know she's she's adorable she's 24 and she's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she could do anything and but then when she couldn't do something it was like not that she's not super compassionate by nature but it really opened up. When you have that experience, you're like, I know I've been there. Like, I, I have felt pain. I know yeah. what that feels like. And yeah, totally different when it's, when, it's, when it's personal versus when it's, you know, intellectual. Yeah, it's totally different. So I want to ask you one final thing, if you don't mind. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Tim is a reluctant filmer. You're an online filmer. Yeah. You guys are super adorable when I'm with you. It is, um, but you, you couldn't be more different. I mean, yeah. in a lot of ways, you guys couldn't be more different. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you, how long have you been married? Married. Uh, we've, been together about four, we've been together about 14 years. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. It's a long time. I'm really thankful for him every day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little inspirational. I have to tell you, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been through a lot, you know, it wasn't easy in the beginning. I think Tim met me when I was probably at the height of my youth and selfishness. You know, I was 25 and I pretty much didn't want um, anyone to get in my way of whatever it is that I wanted to do. And I wasn't, I don't think that I, I, I you know, I'm an only child. I'm not a natural sharer of my space. So like even now, 14 years later, like he goes away for two days and like suddenly it's my space, you know? <laughs> And then he comes back, and I'm like, yes, I like, I love him. He can totally be here. Um, yes, he can. To yes, he has a right to put his stuff wherever he wants. It's okay, you know. So I go through that like regularly. Like I work through that still to this day. Cause it's just 
my programming. You know, if you just like, you know, if you give me a space, I inhabit it and I'm, you know, I'm just, I claim it. It's, I, I have a proprietorial, you know, mindset towards this is now my space because he's gone. And so, um, and to the extent that I can get so involved in that, you know, if Tim, if Tim leaves me brushing my teeth and he's like, I'm going to go in the other room. So then I'm like, he's in the other room. It's my bathroom. So I will actually, and I mean, I don't, I will have this sort of proprietorial sense of now I'm in the bathroom and it's my space. I'm in the bath. I'm brushing my teeth to the extent that sometimes he will come back into the bathroom and I have, I have gone into this like zone of I'm in my bathroom space. He'll come in and I startle very easily and I scream. I'm like, ah! And he's like, what's going on? I was like, you said you were in the bed now, and now you're in the bathroom. You scared me. And he's like, oh, my God. So Tim knows that about me so that, like, if I'm upstairs um, or if I go to bed early, yeah. when he comes in to the house, like, if, 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 on the very rare occasion that I go to bed before he gets home, when he comes in, he, like, makes a lot of noise. Which, you know, even though I'm asleep, because if he doesn't, if he's very, very quiet and I don't hear him come in, and this has happened a couple of times, he'll crawl into the bed. And again, the proprietorial claim, it's my bed, it's my space. I will scream like like bloody murder, like, ah, the man in my bed. And I'm like, and then he's like, it's just me, it's me, it's me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then like, Sam, I love him, I want him in the bed. Um, so this is kind of, yeah, I mean, he's very patient. He's lived with me over this, this you know, and, and um so I think that Tim, no matter, I think we're really good complements with each other. Like I think the things that we are, um, like that, that I think we, we really help each other out. Um, like Tim has definitely taught me so much in terms of like independence. Like I never, I didn't change a light bulb before I met Tim, you know, and I would be like, the light is broken. I'm like, do we call an electrician? Like, what are we doing? He's like, you change the light bulb. And I'm like, I don't even know, like, wh like where where do light bulbs live? Like, how do we get them? Like, how do you take that bulb out? How do I have no idea. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like I, I know they're in Home Depot, but like, which one do you get, you know? And, um, you know, so, so I mean, literally never changed the light bulb before, um, you know, before Tim, I would, I'd get someone to do it. You know, I, 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 like they got changed. I just wouldn't personally do it. There's so many little things that like Tim's taught me in terms of independence. And I think it's very Scandinavian. Um, so Tim is super handy. And at the same time, um, you know, I think that we've, we, we've definitely balanced each other out in that way. Um, you know, I think uh, we, 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 we bring each other, um, you know, in, in, into the other's world a little bit and we help each other kind of kind of balance out and find the middle ground. That being said, I think if you spend time with us, there's a lot that we really share. And I think probably for us, um, I think humor is probably the thing that most like we laugh a lot together and we can really kind of have fun in um you know any goofy time and then we're really each other's best friends so it's like if there's something that's bothering me it's Tim that I want to talk to and it's he's the one that understands he's the one that listens to me and something bothering him you know I'm the one that he turns to and I really like I want to be there for him and I want to listen to him and I want to help him understand things and at, and at the other side we're not just like you know, blind faith fans of each other. Like we, we really, you know, when we listen and, and, you know, we ask permission at, so we're supportive of each other, but we also ask permission to say like, Hey, can I give you some feedback about that in case, you know, the situation we're in, like we may be blind about it. So we, we, we really not only support each other just blindly, we, you know, we're not just trying to walk off, you know, the plank of the earth with each other. We're also trying to help each other grow and see the bigger picture and kind of make intelligent decisions. I think we're also really bound together by a sense of morals and values, the idea of, you know, really doing the right thing. 
um, and, and, and treating people right. And, and, and this is something that I think is really, really, just really important. Um, and, and I would say that, that it's interesting because Tim has that on like on an, on a, on a one-on-one level, like in such a way so that it's inspirational. Um, and then I think I feel like I have this on like, on a, on like a global kind of environmental, like macro cosmic level. And then that's another way that like we have the same ethos and the same values and then we end up balancing each other out. And I would say like the last thing is that, you know, the fact that we share the practice. Um, there's something just in terms of both of our physicalities and, you know, if we hear, if, if Tim and I end up, um, talking about the body, we're both inspired, say by, by the same paradigms of movement. Like we both believe in intelligence, um, you know, intelligent kinetics in the body so that when we move, we move with both consciousness, subtlety and intelligence. And we, we both believe, um, that there is a subtle intelligence in the body. And I think that's, that's illustrated both in how we both practice, how we both treat injury when it arises. And it's also a form, I would say, a shared language that we both have. Um, and this is, and, and this I think really binds us together really well. And I think, but more than anything else, I think we just really love each other and, and, and really cherish that love. And you've been through difficult times, right? I mean, Absolutely. it's not always been like, you know. No, yeah. We've been through difficult times. Absolutely. We've been through difficult and trying times. Absolutely. And I think that's one of these things where it's like, hey, it's the it's the practice, right? So if you, you know, are you going to let that injury make you stronger right. and work through it? Or are you going to quit? Um, and I think we're both pretty tenacious people when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think you both are, and and I'm gonna go with you especially. I mean, we've we've just <laughs> you don't take no for an answer. You you <laughs> definitely stick to things to to its completion when you believe in something. That yeah. discipline, I I will never forget the conversation in the car, and I repeat it to people all the time. And you know, I was with Dina Kingsburg, um, yeah, not like a couple of months ago. And, uh-huh. you know, I wouldn't keep my toes together in a handstand drop over. And she looked at me and she said, do you know what you need? And I was like, and she said, you need discipline. <laughs> I was, and I said, well, you're not the first person who's told me that. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's a thing. It's a thing. And uh, you definitely, you definitely have that. And I, I always go back to that conversation and I always go back to that advice. It was real simple. It was straightforward and it was on the mark. And, Mm -hmm. and it certainly has gotten you amazing places, a book, Mm -hmm. an internet channel, um, great relationships, teaching everywhere. Um, you're a real inspiration and I'm just happy to have you as a friend and as a mentor and thank you. Thank you. I'm honored too. Well, have a really good time in Croatia and and yeah. I'm really thinking about you during the hurricane and, and um, yeah. my thoughts and prayers are with you both. Tell Tim I said hello and um, mm. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you too, Perry. Thanks for dropping in and I hope you enjoyed this chat. Now, before you get going, Kino wanted to offer our dispatch community a free month on OMSTARS so that you can check it out yourself. Just go to omstars.com and enter the code Ashtanga Dispatch. So I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that I was working on something special. And really, it's something you continue to ask for. You see, we're finally making the second issue of the Ashtanga Dispatch magazine available online. And in fact, 
We're including bonus features from teachers like David Kyle, Jen Renee, and of course, Kino. There'll also be a special asana kitchen from David Garig, a guided meditation from John Churchill, and a recording of the chants with Greg Nardi. I'm so excited to share this with you, and I want you to be the first to know once it's available. So please go to ashtangadispatch.com and make sure that you're on our dispatch email list. Now, I'm not as disciplined as Kino, so for the time being, I'm really trying to spend less time on social media and more time communicating with friends like you directly. So I'll be including other tidbits like books I'm reading, recipes, and of course, all the latest podcasts. So please, please go to ashtangadispatch.com and sign up. This episode of the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast was edited and produced by Chris Lucas and hosted by me, Peg Mulqueen. Also, thank you to our good friends, listeners like yourself, who support this podcast through patreon.com. Every month, I turn down paid sponsorship for this show. Now, maybe that's a stupid business move, and it certainly wouldn't be my first. But I promised you I wouldn't clutter these interviews with ads. But I can only afford to keep my promise thanks to those of you who support our show through Patreon. So if you'd like to help, please visit patreon.com backslash Dispatch. Thanks again, and stay tuned. Things are about to get exciting. Vishkashanti Rastu Om Shanti Shanti